You're listening to a message from South Hills Church in Burbank, California. For more information about South Hills, check out SouthHillsBurbank.com. this this morning, brand new idea, family month, and we're going to kick it off this morning with something that I think all of us in this room need to learn how to do better. And this will drastically improve every relationship that you have, every relationship, every friendship, uh, every interaction that you have with other people. Today's idea will improve all of it. Now, you and I are very similar in this, and I'm sure we've all had one of these moments where you got into a, a conversation within your family. And uh, maybe you've had this, maybe you haven't, but if, have you ever been in that moment with your family where you're talking and somebody else starts talking and suddenly within your family, it starts to get a little heated? Anybody ever, anybody ever been there before? Just me? Um, okay, we're all together on this. So we, we had these moments in family where we start to talk we start to uh, get a little heated. Uh, everybody starts talking louder, and then it kind of turns from loud talking into yelling, and then it transitions to other things, and suddenly everybody is demanding to be heard at the same time, but nobody wants to listen to anybody, and so everybody just starts talking over everyone else, and it turns and it snowballs into something that it, you never intended it to be in the very beginning. Now, I, I want to be honest and very transparent. Um, Man, I, my family is not perfect. The family I grew up in is not perfect. Uh, they're great. I have great parents, but we struggled as a family in this area that we're going to talk about. And matter of fact, we struggled so much that there's a particular date that has gone down in infamy as a family. We call it Father's Day 08. Okay? You mentioned Father's Day 08 to any of my siblings, uh, my parents. We all know what it is because we all remember that day and what happened on that day. Now, I can't tell you everything because my parents listen to this podcast. And so for the, sake, for the sake of not embarrassing my entire family, I will not tell you the details. But what I can tell you is this. It was brutal. It, it was embarrassing. There were tears being shed. There was a lot of yelling going on. At some point, two individuals went to the ground wrestling in the grass. And cops showed up. Okay? So... I know, now you're intrigued. You're like, please tell me. I I can't tell you. I just can't tell you. It was not the proudest day within the Stewart home. It was not the day that you want to look over and see your mother on Father's Day just crying out of just sheer embarrassment of her own children. And it's not the day that you look over at your dad and realize how embarrassed he is, how unproud he is of what he created in us (laughs) as children. Just you could see it on his face of just like sheer disappointment in everyone that is there that day. And so it was a rough day. It was not perfect. And I share that be, not, to, not to embarrass anybody in my family. I share that because we're in this together. You and I are in this together because we have all had these types of moments where we have lost, uh, we have lost in the moment the ability to honor other people the way they deserve to be honored, to validate others. And, and we want our point to be heard. And so we yell and we talk louder and we kind of push people back and we escalate into something that we never intended it to be. And so no matter where you are in the stage of life that you are currently in, we all have a family somewhere. And we all have friendships. And we all have people in our workplace. And we all have neighbors. Or you have in-laws. Or you have exes. And you have had these types of moments. And too frequently we have them through social media. 
too frequently, and I'm not going to bash on social media, so don't be like, oh, man, he always does this to me. Uh, we do this on Facebook way too much. And personally, I, this is just me, I love it. I love sitting back with a little bowl of popcorn and reading people's comments and seeing how far people are willing to escalate a complete misunderstanding. Like within the first comment, it's completely misunderstood what the intention of the comment was. And then somebody's like, well, let me jump on that. And then all of a sudden you've got like 47 comments and I just read all of them. I will sit and read every one of them just to see how embarrassing people really are of like, you really thought everybody needs to know that in this moment. And so it's embarrassing, but we do this all the time. Why? We have this struggle. Why? Because it's it's kind of funny to do it online because we think that's not really us. But we do it in real life all the time, too. And we do it in the way we talk to people, in the way we handle people. And we think that everybody needs to know our perspective because our perspective is so unique to us that they've never heard what we have to say. Therefore, we think that they have to hear what we have to say. And I don't know if you've ever had one of these moments, if this thought has ever crossed your mind. Maybe it has, but have you ever thought everyone would be so much better if they would just listen to me? Everyone would be so much better if they would just listen to me, if they would see things the way I see them, if they would do everything the way that I think it should be done. The world would operate better. This family would operate better. This, this, this business would operate better. This, uh, this relationship would operate better if you would just listen and do everything that I think should be done. And we've all had these moments. We've all had these little dips into crazy where we think everything is about us. But let me just give you a word of caution. When everyone in the room believes that they are the smartest, everyone will talk but no one will listen. When everyone in the room thinks that they're the smartest one in the room, everybody will talk. Everybody will try to get it out. Everybody will try to say what they think needs to be said. But no one, no one in that room is actually listening to anyone else. And deep down at the core of who you are, and I know this to be true because it's at the core of who I am and you and I are the same. At the core of who we are, we all want to be listened to. We all want to be heard. And there's a problem with this. Because at the core of the human experience, at the core of our human nature, you and I want people to see what we see. We want them to feel what we feel. We want them to just walk the world just for, just for a little bit in our shoes. We want them to understand what life is like for us. And there's a word for that, and the word is validation. See, you and I, at the core of our human experience, we want to be validated. We want to feel validation from other people. And everyone has this. Every single person has this. And what validation literally is, it's acknowledging and affirming what the world must look and feel like from their perspective. Even if you disagree with their perspective, it's still what they need. They need validation. They need to know that you understand or at least acknowledge and affirm what they're saying, what they're feeling, what they're experiencing. See, our human nature can also struggle with this idea where someone else wants to validate us because what we ultimately want is we need to be validated first. And I think all of us would say that we would, we would validate other people. 
We want other people to feel affirmed. We want to make people feel acknowledged. We want people to feel validated. But ultimately, we want them to validate us first. And then I'll validate you. So if you validate me, if you make me feel acknowledged and affirmed and listened to, then I will extend that back to you. Because we live in this world where we're all starved for validation. We're all starved for validation in a world that just simply won't stop talking. And this world is full of people that want to just talk all the time. Coming from somebody who stands here and talks for a living. I get it. I get it. I'm amazed. I am amazed. I've become my father where I can listen to like talk radio now. I used to hate it. I used to hate it with a passion. I used to hate sitting in the car and listening to it with my dad. And now I've become that. And I can sit and listen to people talk. And I actually listen sometimes and the thought crosses my mind. How in the world do these guys have a three-hour radio show and they talk about nothing every day? Just their opinions, just their thoughts, just ramblings. And I'm just like, how do you, how do, you do this? How do you talk so much? Because they, they have to hit a point where like, they're just done. Like They've used up all their words. You know, like They just have a certain set of words. And then like for the rest of the day, do they not talk anymore? I, I don't know. But we live in a world that loves to talk. We love to be heard. We love to make sure everybody knows our thoughts and our opinions about things. But we don't live in a world that likes to listen, that likes to step back and actually learn from other people. And so what we're going to see this morning is a very countercultural perspective on this idea. There's a very countercultural perspective, and it actually comes from one of the early leaders in the church, a very early leader in the church. He's actually a Christian pastor in this, this time period. Not necessarily termed Christian because Christian hasn't been the label quite yet. But he's a leader in the early church. And he writes a letter to the church. Now, you might not think, well, of course, you know, this is important. But there's, a, there's an extra layer of importance on this. And I think the reason why there's an extra layer of importance is on who the author of this letter is. See, we have to understand that this guy named James wrote this book, this letter that we've creatively titled James. There you go. We could just read the letter, but I think it makes more sense when you understand who he is. James is actually referred to in the Gospels of Mark and then in the Gospel of Matthew, and he's indicated in those Gospels as one of several children born to Mary and Joseph. If you don't know this, Uh, You can read it yourself in the Gospels, the letters and the stories of Jesus' life, that Jesus had siblings. And James happens to be Jesus' brother. Now, if you are Jesus' brother and you are going to write a letter, I want to read that letter. If you grew up in the same house as Jesus, I want to read what you have to say. Now, there were times in even some of the Gospel accounts where they thought James was a little crazy. There's, there's moments where they say not even Jesus' own brothers believed in him. And so throughout the Gospels, there's varying opinions of James. And we know that based on what the, the author and John was writing, the Gospel of John, he actually writes that G, Jesus wasn't even believed by his own siblings, which I completely understand. Put yourself in James's shoes. If your brother came to you and said, hey, I got something, uh, I just need to let you know, um, I am the son of God. 
Exactly. That would be your response. Same as mine, same as James. <laughs> Whatever, Jesus. You know, you would say that. Whatever, Jesus. You're not, you're not the Messiah. You're my brother. Like, I know you. I watched you grow up. I've, I've been around you. And so James had to grow up in the same house as Jesus, the brother of Jesus. Just, just picture this for a moment. Put yourself into this situation. So consider for a moment, you would never win an argument. Your entire childhood, you would never win an argument with Jesus. That's an uneven playing field. You would never be your parents' favorite, ever, because Jesus would be, because he had an entire story written about him in the Bible. Like, his entire birth story is written for everyone to read later on. Mary and Joseph had this incredible story with the birth of Jesus. You would never be the favorite. You would never win an argument. You would never be the smartest in the room. You would never have a better insight. I mean, how frustrating would it be to be Jesus' brother? There's moments where you think he's a little out of his mind because he's saying things that nobody else can understand or comprehend. And then after you start thinking about it, you realize how incredibly smart he is. Sitting around the dinner table, constantly complaining that Jesus is inviting another leper to dinner. And you want, you know, Jesus to, mom, he did it again. Can you tell him to please take the leper outside? You know, like none of us can be around lepers like you can, Jesus. You know, we get it. You know, you're not affected by it. You know, that, that didn't actually happen. Okay, so just those of you that think I'm making that piece up, I'm just kind of imagining the story. But Jesus did incredible things. And, and James had to grow up in that home. He had to grow up in that environment. So he had to learn the hard way to take a step back, to hear what Jesus was saying, to consider what Jesus was actually teaching to follow along and observe Jesus' life himself. So just imagine you are growing up in this home where you don't believe your brother is the son of God, but you're watching things unfold. You're seeing things take place. And at some point in time, he goes from being the brother to the Messiah to a leader in the early church. James makes a transition to where he's now become a leader in the early church in Jerusalem. He's reaching people that are far from God, that don't quite understand what God has done through his son, Jesus Christ. And James has made a full-on switch to understand who his brother Jesus was, actually declaring it in the book of James that Jesus truly was the son of God. He was the Lord of his own life. So for you to acknowledge that your own brother is Lord, from not believing that Jesus was the Messiah to all of a sudden going all in and becoming a leader in the movement to bring people to Jesus, the resurrection happened. You see, his own brother said that he was going to die for the sins of the world, but he would be raised from the dead three days later. So I don't know about you, but anybody, anybody that could, that could prophesy and predict their own death and their own resurrection, I want to know whatever they have to say. I will believe them. If you can do that, I will believe you. So Jesus comes onto the scene and he says exactly what's going to happen, what's going to take place. I, I would assume that James is kind of doubtful. Like, hey, Jesus, you're kind of going a little too far now. You kind of go into this whole death and burial, resurrection idea. Like, it was one thing just to be a little crazy and talk about being the Messiah, but now you're going a little too far. 
And then for James to actually witness Jesus after he resurrected and to fully comprehend in that moment that Jesus is exactly who he said he was. That James would be recognized by Peter and Paul as one of Jesus' disciples. That he would be left responsible to lead the church in Jerusalem. That's a huge transition. That's a huge shift. And so whatever James is going to write in a letter to the church, I want to read it. I want to lean in and understand this guy's perspective on Jesus. Not just because he's a leader in the church, but because he was Jesus' own brother who believed that Jesus really was the Son of God. So James, chapter 1. Just a couple verses that I want to look at here. He says this in verse 17, Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father. Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father, who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts A shifting shadow. What is it saying? He's saying that God is a creator God and that everything good that happens in your life is a gift from God, that God has given it to you because he's a perfect father. He's created everything and he is not trying to dodge you. He is not trying to cast a a shifting shadow. He's not trying to move around and make himself difficult to be found by you. He's trying to make it easy for you to find him. He's trying to create and trying to bless and he's trying to give. That he chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word. True word in this sense is Jesus. And we, out of all creation, get this, creator God created everything. Out of all creation, we became his prized possessions. So that's quite a setup for whatever he's getting ready to say next. Which makes whatever he's going to say next feel very, very important. And here's what he has to say. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. The message translation, which is a a little bit more of a modern translation, it actually puts it this way. Post this at all intersections. Dear friends, lead with your ears, follow with your tongue, and let anger straggle along in the rear. Lead with your ears, follow with your tongue, and let anger straggle along in the rear. Pretty much what James is writing is the opposite of the way we do everything in our current culture. In our current environment, we do the opposite. We are quick to get angry. We are quick to speak. And we are slow, if ever, to listen. And so just, just, just listen to this for a moment. This is, this is huge. He's writing a letter to the early church. This is James, the brother of Jesus. He's talking about this creator God that gives us every perfect thing in our life. Every good gift comes from God. He's the creator. He's not trying to dodge us. He's not trying to hide from us. That he's chosen to give birth uh, to us by giving us Jesus and trying to bring us into this new life. He's giving us all this incredible wisdom and, and knowledge and understanding that you and I are his prized possessions And that in order for you and I to do what we are called to do, to be who we're called to be, he then gives us verse 19, that we need to be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. We need to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. That that is how you and I are supposed to relate 
to people, all people, everyone in our lives. That's how we are supposed to do this thing called relationship. And so why is this the advice? Like, why is this the advice? James could have said anything he wanted to following up those statements about God and Jesus. Why would he lean in on that idea? I think it's because he understands that my happiness is less about me being right than it is about us being right. It's less about me winning this argument. And it's about both of us walking away feeling good about ourselves. It's less about me walking into every conversation trying to figure out how can I win this one at all costs? How do I win? Well, if I get angry enough, if I can yell over you, then I can win. That it's not about you winning. It's about us walking away winning together. You see, too often we're convinced that we want to be right, but what we really need, what you and I need, is we need to be heard. We need to be validated. We need to know that what we're saying matters to people, even if they disagree. And even if we disagree with what someone else is saying, it's still validating what they're saying. You see, the writer's so convinced that if you would just shut your mouth for a little bit, if you would just shut your mouth, if you would refuse to give in to all of your anger triggers, which we all have, if you would take the time to genuinely listen to people around you who are different from you, you would begin to see things differently and that it would improve not just your life, not just your relationship, but it would actually improve the world around you. If we could get this, if we could get this principle. Something that my grandmother used to say in less positive words She used to say this, it's not all about you, sunshine. (laughs) That was a common statement. Some of you may want to take that down. You may want to take a picture of it. That is theologically correct. (laughs) It is not all about you. And unfortunately, we believe and we start to think that everything is all about us and that every conversation is all about us. And every argument is all about us. It's all about what we need to say. It's all about what we need to communicate. It's all about everything that we need to just get out there so that the other person understands everything that we think they need to understand. And I'll just be totally honest. This is, this is a constant struggle for me. This is my personal struggle all the time as a dad. My, my kids are getting older. And my second is very much like me. He's, he's, we have a very similar personality we, we know what our triggers are. We know each other's buttons. And we know how to push them. And as he's getting older and he's developing his own, his own mind and his own way of speaking and, and his own way of having conversation and getting stuff out there, we understand what's happening. And, and so we did this the other week. And, and anytime I'm preparing a sermon like this, this is like when God gives me every opportunity to fail all week long. They're just like presented to me and I'm supposed to win, but I don't. And I, I blow it every time. And so we're having this conversation this week, and we're talking about something, and he knows my buttons, and I know that he knows my buttons, and so I'm like, okay, I'm not going to get upset at this. I'm just going to, I'm going to listen. I'm going to try to validate. And so it was like every little trigger was being tricked. He was like flipping this one, and then he flipped this switch, and then he flipped this switch, and then I was like, don't even go to that switch, and then he hit the next switch, and it was like, okay, it's over. And then, 
And then I have to go into a full-on monologue of everything I think he needs to understand in this moment about life and him and how much I can take away his life because my dad used to always say that to me. You know, I gave you this life and I can easily take it away. Like my dad used that a lot with me. And so we just, the whole conversation shifted and nobody felt validated and it turned ugly and it turned into a yelling thing and then it turned into an apology thing later. And, and I have to just step back sometimes and ask, well, why did, I, why did I do that? Like, why did I escalate this conversation when it probably didn't need to be escalated? It's because I thought in that moment it was all about me. I was being selfish and not validating what he was saying. Although I disagreed with what he was saying, I still had to take a moment and validate what he was saying. And so we're going to end this morning actually giving you some very simple listening, active listening tips that I am personally trying to apply to my life every day. But here's what happens. See, so why, why did James make this such a big deal? Why did James try to drive the early church to understand this? It's because James was the brother of Jesus. And this is how Jesus operated. This is exactly what Jesus did. Jesus was quick to listen. He was slow to speak. And he was slow to get angry. And why was Jesus like this? Because this is the way God is. You see, if the goal at the beginning was just simply to be right, then everything would have been over in just a few seconds because God is never wrong. And Jesus is never wrong. But the goal was not to be right. That's why Jesus came to this earth in the form of a human being that couldn't speak. And he lived his life as a child and he grew up in a home with siblings and he spent his first 30 years of his life trying to validate the human experience. That his goal was to empathize humanity. Was to understand humanity by being fully God yet fully man. And to find a way to bridge the gap between you and I and our Heavenly Father. That was the goal. The goal all along for Jesus was to find a way to get you and I back into a right relationship with God. The goal was never to just simply win the conversation. It was not to just be right all the time. And so I have to wonder if an all-knowing God isn't too good to stop and listen and validate other people's perspectives, then why would I be? And why would you be? Why would you and I think that we're too good to validate somebody else's thoughts or views or opinions. If God never thought that, if Jesus never approached people in that way. So what we have to begin to do is learn. How do we learn to become more wise individuals? How do we learn how to navigate these difficult conversations? How do we learn how to be a person that that validates other people? I think we have to learn how to gain wisdom. In, a, in the Old Testament, in an ancient Hebrew writing of, of wisdom, it's the book of Proverbs. It's, it actually says this in Proverbs chapter 4, and I love how it says it. It says, getting wisdom is the wisest thing you can do. <laughs> can't really argue with that. Getting wisdom is the wisest thing you can do. And whatever else you do, develop good judgment. Isn't that kind of the same as wisdom? So if the wisest thing you can do is to be wise, then everything else you do should be, try, should be you trying to figure out how to have good judgment, which is also really just 
being wise. So the thing that you and I have to do is to figure out how do we become more wise? How do we grow in this idea of developing good judgment? I think another way you could put it is this, that if you want to be wise, then you seek first to understand, then to be understood. If you want to develop good judgment, you show people your wisdom in seeking to understand first before trying to make everyone understand you. If you want to grow healthier relationships, if you want to make your family better, if you want to make your marriage better, if you want to become a better parent, a better grandparent, a better employee, a better boss, if you want to be a better student having relationships with your teachers, if you want to be a better friend, if you want to be a better neighbor, you learn how to understand others first before seeking to be understood. Now, I know that the natural tension right now is is some of us are like, well, Dave, I'm actually pretty good at this. You know, I already do this. I, I think I'm a pretty good conversationalist. If you talk to the people around me, everyone in my life feels heard. I think most of us think we're much better than this than we actually are. You see, remember, communication and conversation are not the same thing. There is a huge difference between talking with someone and talking at someone. And what I find too often as a dad is that I talk at my kids. I talk at the people in my life rather than talking with them, rather than sitting and seeking to understand before being understood. That's communication. That will improve every relationship in your life. Every relationship that you have will drastically improve if you can learn how to have communication rather than just conversation, if you can learn that it's not the same to talk at someone as it is to sit and talk with someone. So how do we get better at this? How do you and I make sure that life is not just you and I having long lectures with everyone around us? I think we have to grow and become more wise in the way that we listen. So let me give you some very practical things this morning. You may want to write these down. If you're a picture taker of the screen, wait till all four of these come up. It'll just save you. Just take one picture rather than four separate ones. So here, let me give you some active listening tips, okay? This is just practical. This is not in the Bible, so don't, don't like try to find it in Scripture. It's not in Scripture. This is just me trying to practically help you. So number one, be attentive. Just be attentive. If you want to grow at your listening skills, your ability to have communication, not just conversation, then be attentive. What does that mean? That means take your, your phone, take your phone when somebody's talking to you and put it down. <laughs> that means get it out of your hands. That means face the person that's speaking to you. That means make eye contact with someone when they're talking to you. You cannot multitask and be a good listener. I, I say it to my wife all the time. Hey, just, just keep going. I'll, I'm, I hear what you're saying. I actually hear nothing that she's saying. Okay, I'll just be totally honest. It's now out in the open, and I have to stop doing that. You have to focus on what the other person is trying to say, not just on what you want to say when they finish talking. You have to listen. You have to be attentive, and you don't interrupt. So number one, be attentive. Number two, give cues to show that you hear them. Give cues to show that you hear them. What does that mean? That means you, you verbally give some, or you give some like 
uh, uh, positive verbal sounds. A, a couple, like, uh, and you laugh, but it's like so simple. You could say things like, that's interesting. <laughs> that actually shows that you're listening. You could give a couple, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, okay, okay, okay is a great one. I use okay quite a bit. Wow, wow, okay, I see that. I can see that. It's just it's letting somebody know that you actually are listening to them. You have an open body posture. You you nod like you acknowledge the fact that they are speaking. You give cues visually to let them know that you're listening. And I know this sounds like, well, Dave, of course, this is like basic. I know, but we stink at this. We all are terrible at this. Number three, ask clarifying questions. Ask clarifying questions. What is this all about? This is all about you not assuming you know what they mean. What do you mean by blank? So tell me what you mean by that. Hey, can you tell me more about that idea? Man, how did that feel for you? What is it that you really want? And why is that? See, when you start to ask clarifying questions, you dig down to the heart of what they're trying to say. And you're beginning to validate their perspective even if you disagree. And the last one is this, validate, then reply. Validate first, then reply. You see, you start with affirming their willingness to be open and honest with you. When somebody is willing to come to you and say something that is difficult for them to say to you, you acknowledge, man, thank you so much for being open and being willing to share that with me. Thank you for trusting me and and feeling like this is a safe place that you can speak honestly. You you acknowledge it. You affirm their willingness to be open, especially if it's something that you didn't want to hear or something that you disagreed with. You echo back to them what you heard them saying in your words and then give them a chance to correct you in case you misunderstood something. Then you calmly get to share your thoughts. So why do this? Like, wh- why take an entire weekend and talk about how to become better listeners? How, why, why, why lean in on the struggle that we all have with this idea, with this topic? Why put attention into this? Because if you and I want to have better families, if you and I want to have healthier relationships, if our goal is to grow and to become better, at what we do in every facet of life, then we have to learn how to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. And we have to realize that the end goal is not to win. The end goal is not to win the argument. The end goal is not to shut them down. The end goal is to bring them back to Jesus. The end goal is to not lose influence that would drive someone away. The end goal is to find a way to help them understand how much God really loves them. To not damage the relationship, but to restore it. To bring life into it. As long as that's the end goal, then you and I have to learn how to become better at this. So let's pray. Thanks for taking some time to listen to this message. We hope that you've been blessed and encouraged by it. 
Be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram to stay updated on all that's happening at South Hills Burbank.